Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We make it clear again tonight that no matter how long it takes, no matter where you hide, if you are a threat to our people, the United States will find you and take you out. That was President Joe Biden last night announcing the drone strike that killed al-Qaeda leader uh, al-Zawahiri uh, in Kabul, Afghanistan. That was the headline of the day. And now we want to go behind that headline. And while many people are feeling relief, that the world's most wanted terrorist is no more. What is it doing in Afghanistan? What is happening in Afghanistan? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, obviously, it's a good day when a terrorist uh, like Zawahiri is no more. Uh, someone who 21 years after 9-11 uh, finally justice was served there. I think that is an important message to those families who lost loved ones in 9-11 and much of the aftermath there. And the question then for me, kind of beyond the headlines, is one, what was he doing in the capital city of Afghanistan? Uh, Obviously, a year ago, there was a a messy uh, and hasty withdrawal from Afghanistan. And we've been down the the path in terms of what happened and why and the devastation that has followed. But I want to dig even further into that. There was a fascinating piece in the Washington Post today by Pamela Constable talking about how uh, many U.S. agencies are warning of significant famine in Afghanistan and a rapid deterioration of women's rights uh, that many were fearful would fall quickly, and they fall on even further than I think many of the experts anticipated. And so currently you have millions of Afghanistan uh, Afghanis that are uh, expected to experience extreme levels of hunger in the coming months. And there are a host of foreign agencies that uh, face a lot of uh, decreased uh, supplies in terms of food and emergency provisions because of the shortfalls in funding. Uh, According to a report that was released on Monday by the uh, U.S. Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction. Uh, And that's an important one, because, again, when when we watch things unfold and really unravel a year ago in the withdrawal, uh, that was the question that so many had, especially for those who had been our allies and for so many of those citizens of Afghanistan Uh, who stood shoulder to shoulder, who provided critical resources and services, translation, uh, and a host of other things that uh, we we have to keep those promises. Uh, The the Watchdog Agency uh, said that Afghanistan's humanitarian crisis remains dire. Uh, That is the depiction. So uh, in their numbers, in their assessment, 18.9 million, nearly 19 million people who are facing life-threatening hunger, up to 6 million facing near-famine conditions. Uh, It also said that uh, emergency aid is likely to fall and fall sharply between November, um, where, again, it's it's not going to be able to reach uh, much more than 8% of the population, again, because the funding isn't there. 
uh, for a number of these agencies, including UNICEF, including the World Food Program. Uh, and so, again, we, we have to look at the aftermath of all of these decisions that took place a year ago in terms of the withdrawal from Afghanistan. And then, of course, the the re-rise of the, the Taliban, Taliban extremists. Uh, and, of course, when all of that was taking place, the promises were that, no, this is a this is a kinder, gentler Taliban. This is a Taliban that is uh, going to be more focused on education, more focused on uh, some of those basic freedoms. And I don't know that a lot of people really bought into that, but I think most people believed that the Taliban, at least for a season, at least for a period of time, would be a little more passive, a little less aggressive, a little less forceful in terms of uh, how they uh, carry out their version of rule of law. And sadly, that just has not been the case. And because of that, all of the, the foreign funding and investment uh, has dried up. And so that makes it hard for the economy to function there in Afghanistan. And of course, companies that are making investments are not going invest to invest in a place that they don't have confidence can survive or a place that's going to be ruled by thugs and bad guys. And so that gets pulled out. Uh, and then the, the plight of Afghan women uh, continues to worsen. Uh, the Taliban extremists, again, they returned to power in August, and they have been on a steady march of undermining many of the advancements that Afghan women had made uh, over the course of the last several years. And so when you look at all of that in terms of uh, a very big mess and a real recipe for disaster, again, looking at nearly 19 million people facing life-threatening hunger, uh, six million facing near famine conditions, uh, and then again just these uh, awful oppressive uh, Taliban rules and laws uh, that that really are a problem. Interesting in the Inspector General's report, uh, they actually opened that report with a, a a pretty substantial section that was under the title, the headline: Taliban Repression of Women and Girls grows. And in that section, it criticized the Taliban officials for backtracking on so many of those pledges that they made that they would maintain or restore female freedoms, uh, in particular in the regime's abrupt reversal in March, uh, as it had initially announced that it would reopen some of the, the girls' high schools uh, but, of course, those had been shuttered uh, early on. There were promises that they would reopen, and they just haven't. And the result, of course, is where we are today. And this is what happens when when freedom falters. And so then the question is, okay, now what? Now what? Uh, now, with the Taliban firmly in control and the country clearly in distress now what now what is is the responsibility are they just on their own does the u.s have a responsibility there Uh, what are the things that we can do or should do and what are the things that we just have to let the afghan people sort through on their own uh really interesting one of the final pieces of the report uh 
gave a pretty stark conclusion, said neither increasing international isolation nor worsening economic and uh, health crisis nor the growing desperation of ordinary Afghan citizens seem to have deterred deterred the Taliban from reinstating many of their repressive policies of the 1990s. And so they're basically saying we're, we're back to square one. We're back to the 1990s. Uh, and so while we applaud the administration, uh, the CIA, and those who carried out the strike uh, that took out a known terrorist, a mastermind, uh, an aging one at uh, age 71, uh, Zawahiri uh, is no more, and it was a U.S. drone strike that took him down. Again, the fact that it took him down in the capital city of Kabul uh, is distressing to me in many forms because, again, of all the promises of what kind of uh, of government they were going to set up, uh, harboring terrorists of that magnitude, uh, and if he was there, there are many, many, many more there. Uh, and so now what? The question really is, what comes next? And that's a debate that we're not hearing a lot about in the midst of all the other things that are going on around the world and right here at home. But Afghanistan is going to continue to be a place that we're going to have to keep our eye on. Uh, because if Kabul is a place for al-Zawahiri to, to hang out in plain sight, uh, is it a place where future attacks against the United States will be carried out from Uh, And that's a question we've got to get to as well. All right. uh, We're going to step aside for a little break here. There's so much to to dive into there. Uh, But coming up, with all the focus on the congressional elections, a lot of political analysts are missing an even more important story. uh, And that is for Democrats, how they could actually pick up a large number of governorships. We're going to talk about that with Jonathan Martin of The New York Times coming up next. Stay with us. With Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio.